0: Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the 523rd show of ROI. Our guest for today's show is Dr. Marilyn brookward Wood excuse me Brookwood author and psychologist who is going to talk to us about her book the orphans of Davenport eugenics the great depression and the war over children's intelligence joining us in the second segment of our show will be the history buffs Brett Menard and Jay Swords. so to begin with we'd like to welcome you to our show Marilyn hello Marilyn how are you doing
1: I'm doing okay, except I have a cold, but how are you doing?
0: We're doing great. We're looking very forward to interviewing you. The first good. Great. uh, The first segment of our show is referred to as Fadaruk Naran, and our goal is to give our listeners a little background on today's show. Can you start us off with some of the basic information on who the Davenport orphans were?
1: Yeah, sure. The Davenport orphans were often the children of Prostitutes, um, and they, or they were children who were abandoned by their families during the Great Depression because their families couldn't afford to take care of them. And um, they lived at the Davenport home, um, and which had been um, a training institute for World War uh, II. And they um, had a very, very hard time in that institute because it was a depression and there wasn't a lot of money. So there wasn't a lot of food and there wasn't good care and medical care or educational care. And these children were extremely neglected. Um, and uh, so that's where the story kind of, this, this aspect of the story kind of begins um, they were, some of these children were studied by the people who were psychologists at the Iowa Child Welfare Research Station. And they were uh, of several different types. Uh, one class of children uh, were middle class adoptees. So they were adopted from the Davenport home when they were usually about six months old. Then there were orphanage residents who were never adopted, who lived at the home um, for about 20 years. Um, The third group were adopted um, before they were six months, which is very early in America to be adopted. And the fourth group were placed um, at the Davenport home, but they were placed um, in an unusual setting. They lived with women who were assigned to live in these homes and who were themselves um, called moron women. So that's the, those are the four groups. Um, that we're discussing today
0: okay so um the question would be is who are the who is the um, institution that decided to create these four categories was it because of the study that they were carrying it out or was it that these were the people that were coming to the orphanage
1: these were the people who were coming to the orphanage
0: in a general and, sense
1: in a general sense right and um They, uh, you know, nobody was really paying attention to this very much. So they were um, in the four groups I just mentioned, but um, they didn't, there weren't a lot of qualifications to be in any one
0: of those groups. Wow. Well, um, okay, so when you're talking about the depression, of course, mm-hmm. we tend to think of it with twenty nine till the start of World War uh, Two. Right. Was that the exact same years, or was this happening? Well, was this it precis- started
1: a little earlier in the Midwest?
0: Okay, um,
1: because the, you know the Midwest had um, put a lot of effort into producing uh, food and other objects and and other. Um, things that were needed for World War II, but they were doing that earlier than the rest of America. So they spent a lot of their hard-earned effort and money um, doing that, and then the war was over. And when the war was over, they uh, were left sort of high and dry.
0: Okay. So... How did the uh, community react to this orphanage? I mean, again, um, yeah. through terribly ter- 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 brutal times. I mean, with the Great Depression, uh-huh. and then you have a generation that's definitely scarred from the, the aftermath of World War One. Right. Um, were there any articles or papers, or were there's uh, community help like with churches or other institutions?
1: You know, um, when when these kids first arrived at Davenport, they came, they had been picked up by a a boat that came around and and picked them up from their uh, families where their moms couldn't take care of them anymore for various reasons. And they were, um, scarred, yes, but they were also, um, Treated beautifully and wonderfully by the folks at Davenport, who lived there. So, for example, the day the children um, arrived at Davenport um, on the ship that had been picking them up all over Iowa, um, they found when they walked into their bedrooms or, or their the dormitory that the, the citizens of Iowa. Had produced um, homemade quilts, hand-sewn, and each child had on his or her bed one of those quilts. Um, and so there was a lot of good feeling about those children arriving at Davenport. In fact, there in the Davenport the, the Quad papers t- um, there there are some articles about how a the residents of davenport appreciated having these children there and thought it was a great place for them to be the problem was that was before the depression hit and as soon as the depression hit um the state of iowa couldn't really support those children anymore and the kids had they had um a lot of difficulties
0: after that. Okay. We have a lot more to talk about, so please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. In times of joy, in moments of grief broadcasters come through even when all else fails today with more ways than ever to experience the moments that transform our lives americans still choose broadcast radio and television more than all other media combined we are the local broadcasters of radio and television reaching more people touching more lives brought to you by the national association of broadcasters and this station Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the second segment of the show, referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our noted guest for today's show is Dr. Marilyn Brookwood, author and psychologist, and we're talking about her book, The Orphans of Davenport, eugenics the great depression and the war over children's intelligence the history buffs for today's show are brett menard and rick sweet uh, brett why don't you start us off gladly can you talk to us a little bit about how this
2: study came to be we talked about the kids and now i'd like to kind of shift gears and talk about yeah uh, the iq study
1: sure so Um, Entirely by accident, Um, uh, a couple of psychologists who worked at the Iowa Child Welfare Research Station um, were assigned by the state to go into uh, the Davenport home and take intelligence readings, IQ readings on these children and they were doing that uh, because not because they were so interested in the IQ, but they were more interested in how are they going to train these kids um, to be to have some kinds of careers or some kinds of interests um, because the kids who were living there um, were young and um, they they needed training. So this state of Iowa hired a guy named Harold Skeels, um, and they made him the state psychologist. And he went to the um, Davenport home um, along with somebody named Maurice Godak, who was a colleague of his, and hired to do this. Uh, She had been a graduate student at the University of uh, uh, Ohio State. And um, So she came from Ohio State to work with skills and to test intelligence. They had no idea what they were getting into, none. Um, They were just doing this because they were assigned to do it. But what, what was very interesting was that they began to see something that they thought was impossible. It had been thought at that time, because eugenics was the way people thought, that you inherited all of your traits, all of your abilities, all of the things you were good at or not good at from your parents. And what they began to see in these children was something they were utterly unprepared for. They began to see that depending upon the environment the children lived in, their intelligence and their personality traits were completely different from what they expected. So that was um, the beginning of the story, really. Um, in fact, you, you would have thought that um, they would have realized this a long time before that, but they didn't. Um, so... This was really the beginning of the history of psychology as we think about psychology. And um, so the people who worked at, Dav- at the Davenport home, and that was now Skills and Skodak, started getting the idea that if they kept testing these kids, they were going to get very unexpected results. So they knew that the kids came from often the lowest levels of, psych- of, of society. And yet, depending upon where the kids were placed, their results were very different from that. So to give you some examples of that, if these kids, say a kid was adopted by a middle-class family and was below six months of age, that child was often um, someone who showed an IQ of very high potential. And that was completely unexpected. And the um, children, um, that happened over and over and over again um, with those children. And um, so it was Really, the beginning of thinking about IQ not as a fixed quantity inherited from family, but as something that changed depending upon environment. That was a a completely unexpected and novel idea at that time. And we're talking about the 1930s. Um, We're also recognizing that there were political and ethical consequences from the Great Depression that were being played out in these tests that these children were taking. This, and also, the third thing I want to say is this was the history of psychology as it was the beginning of, of American psychology. Um, this was a new academic area in America, and uh, it wasn't so new in Europe, but it was very new in American life uh, to have these kinds of um, outcomes of testing. Um, In Europe, people had been, so for example, Alfred Binet had been taking these tests for a long time, but not in America. And um, the outcomes were shocking to some of those people.
0: Jay, you got a question? I do.
2: Um, So just to kind of piggyback off of what you were already talking about, it seems mm-hmm. to me that that one of the really interesting characteristics is you used a term earlier in the first section of moron women, that that's who were the, the yeah. caretakers were, which implies that you're looking at folks that you assumed were very low IQ, very what right. we would call low functioning at this point. And yet this kind of bump in IQ score happened even under those conditions, which must have yeah. really bothered uh, the psychologists of the day. Because, you know, it's one thing to take the the low kid and put him in a middle-class household and, you know, assume that he's going to get a a rise out of that. It's something completely different when you take a low kid, put him with low adults, and he still goes up.
1: That's right. You you put your finger right on it. So what was happening was these children, if they were placed with these moron women, you know, the moron women um, were... Um, That was the term for women who were placed in homes um, of of other moron women like them, Um, and they did not have um, any advantages. They were just living in these homes. They were placed there because of eugenic ideas that they shouldn't be allowed to have any more children. Um, It was felt that their Basic IQs were too low. However, when these women were given the children from the Davenport home to take care of, they loved them so much, and they gave them so much of their um, abilities and self-confidence that the children thrived. No one expected that. It was completely... um, Unanticipated. So the children who were cared for by those women did really, really well. First, it was accidental. The Davenport home itself was very overcrowded. And so they placed two children. Their names for short were BD and CD. um, And they were placed in that home Um, because there wasn't any room for them anywhere else. It was completely um, unanticipated, and there was nothing like it in the the entire history of psychology. But those children did amazingly well, and their IQs rose and rose and rose until they became normal. They had been very low-IQ children. But if you were low IQ in Iowa in that time, you could not be adopted. And these children who went into this home or into the various homes, um, their IQs went up to the point where they were normal. And they were adopted. Um, And that changed the picture considerably because – As soon as they could be adopted, then they were being raised in pretty normal homes.
0: A question then, when you were talking about that if a child did not have a high enough IQ, they couldn't be adopted, uh, was that a state law or what was the premise of uh, how that followed?
1: No, that was a state law. You could not be adopted unless your IQ was in the normal range.
0: So, I mean, so what what does society have to do with the kids that don't have the high enough IQ to be adopted?
1: They went into specialized homes. So, for example, they went into the Glenwood home. What the people from the Iowa Child Welfare Research Station did was once they began to see these changes, they then designed um, some ways of testing. What was going to happen? And they put the children who were um, whose IQs were going up into special settings with women who were also more on women and who also spent a lot of time with the children, took them places, bought them things, um, helped them to learn things like singing and acting and coloring and uh, different games that these children had never had any exposure to. So uh, they changed the children's lives. And as the children's IQs were tested, the people from the Iowa Child Welfare Research Station watched in in great um, surprise as the children became more and more normal. And their IQs became more and more normal. So they they got the best of it really. Not everyone's IQ went up to normal, but almost everyone's did. So it was quite a a shock to these people because no one, you know, this was a eugenic time. Eugenics was a almost a religion. Um, This this was your parent. This was how you were going to be. And now they could see that that's not what was happening. You know, um, the outcome of this is that American psychology did not want to accept these results. And American psychology then attacked the psychologists who were at the Iowa Child Welfare Research Station, and they ruined their careers. These people had—they were the first people, the first psychologists who identified that if you changed environment, you changed intelligence. And the people who were the hard and fast true believers in American psychology— Lewis Terman, if that name means anything to anybody here, um, was the leader of this group. Um, Francis Goodenough was another leader of this group. Um, Those people did not want to buy that this was really happening. And so they attacked the Iowa Child Welfare Research Station psychologist and bitterly. Um, everywhere
0: they went, they were attacked. Okay, um, it's customary for our guests to have the last word on the show. So, Marilyn, in the remaining couple minutes of our segment, uh, why do you think knowing about the how environment shapes the intelligence and the Davenport uh, orphans of Davenport is relevant in today's world?
1: Because. What we know about the way children develop today is, you know, 100% better than what we knew then. And we have the capacity to help children develop in a much more um, efficacious uh, manner so that they have lots of advantages, which they didn't have then. Um, the problem is, even though we know how to do it, we don't always do it. So children are uh, children are not not always getting what they need to get in order to have the best kind of development.
0: Okay, Brett, why do you think it's relevant in today's world?
2: Uh, one of the things that Marilyn just said is, you know, the big names at the time, uh, bent over backwards to try and prove this research wrong. Uh, And so it's a good uh, warning to us to always follow uh, the evidence rather than the name. Jay. I think, yeah, this is just another example of you know the the value of science is that it should be self-correcting and that information eventually weighs eventually wins out and this is why that's such a big deal because you can yeah. be so wrong and mm-hmm. and I'm not going to argue that they were maliciously wrong or wrong or that there was horrible racism or or whatever going on here you can just not interpret the information correctly or lack critical pieces of information and when that happens you get a wrong result And if you don't have some mechanism to correct that, and luckily science does, if you don't have some way of correcting that, then that just gets perpetuated and perpetuated. So, yeah, that's the
1: difference between science and non-science.
2: Yes, and and so I I actually see this. It is a cautionary tale, but it's also a tale of hope, right? Because Mm -hmm. at the end, they did get it right. took however long mm-hmm. you know a couple of decades or whatever but they did finally right, it get
1: took there took 30 years yeah
0: <laughs> when we come back we'll wrap things up so please stay tuned this is ROI on KALA St. Ambrose University 106.1 FM you're listening to relevant or irrelevant ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. This concludes our 523rd show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker, our program manager is Rick Sweet, and the theme song for our show, titled Kayla's Theme, was written and performed by Mark Zaptel. My name is John Keeley. We would like to thank our noted guest, Dr. Marilyn Brookwood, author and psychologist, who talked with us about her book, The Orphans of Davenport, Eugenics, the Great Depression, and the War Over Children's Intelligence. The history bus for today's show are Brett Menard and Jay Swords. This is ROI, relevant or irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all our listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Hotso Pula Nala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night.